Welcome, reanimated fans. This is H.A. Conrad coming to you from Brooklyn. Joining me, as always, my intrepid hostess with the mostest, Stuart Tiffin from the West Coast. How are you, sir? Good day, H.A. I'm well. How are you doing today? I am fabulous. I am fabulous. I don't think I've had enough coffee, but I will be working on that. There's never enough coffee. I know, I know. Have a few things to chat about today. Just a couple of new trailers out uh, before we get into our discussion about the next couple of Walking Dead episodes, uh, Out of the Ashes and On the Inside. Um, but you know, we got we got a couple of uh, a couple of trailers to chat about. One which is you know the the continuing saga of Resident Evil. <laughs> so we haven't even seen like the last or last two Mia Jovovich ones. I know, so. I know. And so but this looks pretty good. I mean, it's it's Resident Evil. It's it's what it is. It's exactly what you would expect. Um and this is uh Resident Evil Raccoon City. And so, you know, at some point we will catch up on those, but we still have a lot of Walking Dead to get through in the meantime, right? We, oh, yeah, we have tons on our plate. We have so much um, to get on. The, and I'll admit to you, these are like not my top priority in terms of things that I'm looking to review. But have never but, been a huge fan of this entire franchise. No, I love Mia jo- I I love her. I think she's amazing. Um, I just, this franchise is not my fave, so... Um, um, the cast looks interesting. I mean, I, some of them I don't recognize. Some of them are very recognizable. Um, what's his name? Donald Logue has apparently oh, a role in this. I love him so much. Neil McDonough, who is that extremely blonde, blue-eyed guy who's been in a lot of stuff and has been amazing in, in a lot of stuff. Um, but then the, the leads I don't really recognize. Hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, again, I'm totally down with with dealing with it i just it's not my and in can like in terms of the echelon of things that i want to 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 watch it's it's there but like a little lower down on my list i admit yeah, um that's fair. and then you found this other this taiwanese zombie film which looks really freaky deaky. disturbing yeah. i don't know if I, I don't know this one is um, lower on my list for other reasons <laughs> so this one's gonna be a tough one and even in like the fangoria article which i found that that uh, put me onto this they were like yeah um i can't really describe what they do in this movie because it's too hardcore i mean that's and fangoria really, yeah um <laughs> hmm uh, so we'll see. And I will say the trailer is freaky enough. I was like, oh, this is going to be a really hard one to watch. <laughs> so yeah. so we shall see. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, and, and in terms of, of news in the in the world, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff coming out. So I think we'll, we'll definitely have our hands full, I think, through the new year is sort of how I'm blocking it out. How would, yeah. th- there's lots of cool stuff coming out. I mean, we have like three simultaneous Walking Dead shows on the air right now. Right. I feel like World Beyond, Fear the Walking Dead, and Walking Dead are all putting out episodes at the moment. I think, unless I'm, unless I'm off by a week, but it's just, it's just a lot. Yeah, definitely a lot. Um, but I'm, I welcome it. It will, it will keep us busy. So that's all good. Um, but I think we're we're ready to jump into our review. Um, which uh, the the first one is out of the ashes, and this is episode five, and we this is a uh, Greg Nicotero. Um, Both of these are actually. Yeah, and and uh, I I can't say that I'm totally shocked. <laughs> they are especially uh, especially on the inside, which is episode uh, yeah. six. I mean, That's clearly, exactly. That was my my thinking. Is that is a hundred percent a horror aficionados episode, and and I no no doubt. Greg Nicotero had a great time with that one, but Out of the Ashes, yeah, is a mess of an episode, in my opinion. I have to admit, with both of these, well, we'll we'll, we'll get into it. I wasn't as psyched about them as I have been about others, uh, for a variety of reasons. But we'll we'll chat about that as we as we pick apart these <laughs> these two episodes. Um, but there were some definitely like some good and bright moments, which I which I loved. Um, once again, I think uh, in Out of the Ashes, Princess is still my best, like my favorite. I want to see more of her, and I enjoy every time she has any kind of time. And she makes she does a lot with the 
the time she has. Um, so she she's just like such a fantastic character. Absolutely, so. yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think she's she is the light on and, this show, and I should say um, she is an amazing actor. So that's that's the other piece of it. Like I don't know that. Uh, she pulls this off in a way that I think only she can. Um, so she does such her delivery is just phenomenal. So, um, but on the flip side of, of princesses light, uh, this episode dips its toe into Aaron's inner darkness, right. which is a bit of a tired trope for this show where members of the cast all have to take their turns going evil, or at least a little too venge vengeful, you know, like we've had, everybody's done it even. And then, and then they even kind of like call back to that when Carol, in this episode is talking to Aaron about like, hey, don't do that. Be a good guy. She's like, I went to the dark side and it wasn't great. <laughs> and like, yeah. Okay. We, yeah. We, we've seen this happen a hundred times on the show, uh, but this time it was Aaron's turn. It's his turn. You know, I don't know that they had enough crazy beard and crazy eyes going on for him in this one that they did try to mess up his face a little bit. So not Ross quite. Marquand is not phoning it in. He is really giving it all. No, no, <laughs> he's totally giving it all he's got. He, he's got the, 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 I just felt like his beard need, he needs to have like something crazier going on with his hair or something, but he looks nuts. It's okay. I guess he's got the arm to balance it out. Um, yeah. But, you know, I also think that this, uh, there is the sort of continuing saga of what is going on um, in Alexandria, which is that things are feeling unsafe. I think that's part of it. This whole community has been through a pretty big trauma and they're freaking out because they don't have enough food and it's feeling pretty desperate. And all the people that they've sent out to help, nobody's really, nobody's come back. We know that Maggie and Negan are kind of stuck in the house. You don't owe me that bottle of wine yet. I was kind of bummed out about that. Oh, I don't know. There was a moment. There was <laughs> a moment. <laughs> so, Just before Gabriel and uh, Elijah suddenly come from nowhere, I was like, oh, is it uh, are we there? But no. Um, but they are doing, I mean, even if they don't do it, they are shipping pretty hardcore right now, at least from a Walking Dead point of view. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, we do, we do have these moments where um, these different groups are, are dealing with trauma in different ways. But back to the Aaron, Aaron's issue, you know, he's had, he's having like, terrible nightmares um that is a really bad nightmare you know like basically having about to face all of the all of the evil people that he's had to come in contact with uh during his run on the show in one nightmare that's that's too much right and then you know they go and they're uh he and a, a group of people and i was really psyched because we got jerry back in the mix um but we have aaron jerry lydia and carol um, going to Hilltop to basically look for more supplies, but specifically like blacksmith supplies because the wall is coming down in Alexandria and they just need to like forage a little bit. Um, the wall does come down. I it mean, does. With, and it's also an interesting peek into how what living in Alexandria is like right now, which is kind of miserable. Yep. Everybody's sleeping on the floor in Jerry's house. Yeah. Uh, or a lot of people are anyway. And they also have another scene later on in this episode where a bunch of kids are moving into Judith's house. Yeah. And now there's probably like 10 kids in that house. Yeah. Like, I don't know that we saw how many houses were destroyed some for whatever reason in Alexandria, but it seems like they're down to just a couple, but they have a lot of people. I think that, you know, the point is that the houses that they're in are secure or have an ability to be secure. So, you know, when, when the, there's walkers that have come through, Aaron tells Grace to go and like, lock herself in the basement and so I think it's also partially to do with that is that maybe with the number of people these are the only houses that they can secure um and keep watch and that kind of thing and they're really they're really limited and and that feeling of threat is always there even more so than it has been um and so put starving on top of that and it's not mm -hmm. a, it's really a miserable existence at this point yeah it's um, pretty bleak but Aaron's not willing to leave uh, which was an interesting exchange mm -hmm. also and, and the the fact that the wall managed to fall down and the bunch of zombies came in and one at least one alexandrian was killed by a zombie mm -hmm. which again at like eight nine years or whatever it yeah, is into the apocalypse i'm like come on yeah. how how is anybody still getting eaten by zombies i mean right. we can well, we can talk about the commonwealth and and that the all the problems with that sort of community too but an Alexandrian getting eaten by zombies, I feel like, is a little silly at this point. Right. Just like Agatha. It, it seems so ridiculous at this point. Um, they're not quiet 
I guess they use this whenever they want to, but and they kind of switch that in and out. But yeah, I agree with you. I just don't think that that would happen. Um, but I guess they have to show that the, th- the threat is real. I did enjoy how they dealt with the threat and how everybody's like, hey, we got the wall up. And that was kind of a cool little scene in choreography. Yeah. Yeah, the response is like super polished and they they get the wall up and they kill the zombies who need to be killed and they're throwing tools to each other and not dropping them. So, (laughs) uh, you know, when you see that, the contrast of a dead guy lying there who you didn't see him die, but he's just like clearly he was probably awake and on guard duty. But also that giant piece of metal falling out of the wall wouldn't have woken everybody up. in this Yeah, it's pretty heavy. I mean, it's not light and... Um, but anyway, I, I'd like to see the response in that teamwork. And that's something we don't often see, which, which yeah. like, uh, you know, just sort of like the daily, hey, this is what we got to do to survive. Especially and among I, all the red shirts. You right. Know, like, yeah, well, our heroes are mixed in there, too. But it's a lot of red shirts do- doing capable things. Right. But I like it. You and I are like that minutia in a way that I think certain zombie fans in, of the genre enjoy more so than others. Um, but, you know, they do go they go to Hilltop to, to forage. And I do think that there is, given especially what we've seen Aaron going through, he is basically uh, at a boiling point. He is, he is really just raw. He is ready to snap. Um, so, so I think regardless of whatever happens at Hilltop, this, this sort of explosion, what's going on in his head, this crisis was going to happen regardless. I don't know. Um, Part of it is what happens right at when they get there, which is that they find a bunch of their former yeah. dead buddies. Uh, well, no, around. that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, I think that even if they hadn't run into anybody else, like a big bad, um, this would have been traumatic and yeah. they would be dealing with this anyway. Cause they are, I mean, yeah. you're seeing fallen people that you loved and that you worked with, that you helped defend the community and they fell um, when, when the communities fell. And so that was like definitely uh, like absolutely traumatic for all of them, but especially for him. And, you know, that only got worse as the, the episode went on because of course they run into a whisperer, um, a rando, a rando whisperer. <laughs> called Keith. Yes. Um and it is kind of I did like the 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 sort of detail where um they personalize how the, how this attack was. I mean, you have Jerry saying, "Oh, this is, you know, when they when they finally sort of see the whisper like they you know, he's seen like his wife's um like scarf, like they know that these people had a direct obviously they were part of this um this entire battle um but just even the the detail where they see how the the walkers are being herded and that this is just a call back to the whispers and lydia recognizes it it's just like an interesting little detail yeah. that i was kind of glad to have that element left in the show because like we, we were just talking about this last week we've never really had an idea of how many whispers there were mm-hmm. and yeah this is a skill set that these people have and they're gonna keep hurting walkers mm-hmm. it doesn't mean they're gonna wield them like weapons but they're you know, if you had to, you, you might consider them like joining Alexandria and being like, all right, herd the walkers away then. And that's your new job. Like if you want to be useful and join a community, you could do that. Well, right. I mean, and, and I guess the question is, and this is addressed to some extent in this, it's like, well, who are the who who are the whispers that were following this? Are they sheep? Are they are they as dangerous if they're not being led by some crazy like leaders um by alpha by beta like are you know that these are all the questions and what level of threat are they now if if they're one like this guy and with a bunch of kids like does that really pose a threat and you know we we aaron really has a bunch of kids what who has a bunch of kids not kids but like a bunch of like weird little whisperer survivors um yeah. like they seem pretty young to me or, or sort of a mix they were, they and were a bunch of, i mean one of them was like young ish but yeah. they were just yeah they were like a motley group they're of a motley other- they're a little motley group but like they i don't know like they just they're very scared and that's generally the the tendency of whispers other than alpha and beta is that the whispers tend to be freaked out and shell shock they don't tend to be aggressive for the most part other than when they're being directed to be so um, so that was kind of interesting. And there's also the tension with Lydia who is, you know, cause, cause basically Aaron and is saying like some pretty bad things about the whispers, which obviously they are not a, this, this was like a bad 
time for for Alexandria and Hilltop. It destroyed their communities. And so there's still tension there because Lydia used to be one. Um, And there's also that interesting moment where Keith the Whisperer is trying to sort of get her alliance or help because he's like, oh, I used to bring food when you were. And she's like, I don't know. You're all wearing the masks. You all look the same to me. You all look the same to me. But she does immediately say, I know this guy also when she sees him. But she can't corroborate his uh, his like I'm a good guy story. Right, right. Um, uh, and and Aaron's uh, you know going off and being like every whisperer is a bad person, and the you know straight shot of Lydia's face, and I'm like I thought she was going to say, but what about me? Yeah, I know that's. Uh, and instead she goes, what about Mary? Um, which is a, a strong point to make because Aaron and Mary did have that connection, mm-hmm. and and Mary was a stand up kid or woman, and and she actually died for their cause. Yeah. But Aaron, I think, is a little too far gone to really, you know, register that sort of argument. It takes Carol talking him down and killing his pet zombie, which I was like, yeah, I did feel like that was going over an edge. Then the fact that Jerry was helping him seemed a little far-fetched. It did seem far-fetched because this is definitely not, I mean, they kind of tie it in with Jerry going like, yeah, like this was our community and they just, you know, but I just, I still don't believe it of Jerry. Um, So that was sort of a tough leap to make for that character especially since he's been kind of mia for a bit um maybe if they had shown some kind of reason or some sort of evolution where he is there maybe but but i just don't feel i didn't feel like that rang true at least for his character um the one part that i did think was like crazy and you know over the edge and this was probably deliberate is that he allows the walker to bite keith's hand and his whole solution is like i'm gonna cut your hand off it's all right look i've got a mace hand (laughs) like i don't know it just that seemed just like i think you know when carol's like oh you're gonna do something you regret i'm like hasn't he already just done something that he really regrets this like yeah you you got some sterile bandages around here somewhere i'm sure in this pile of fire charred yeah, lumber we can we can cut the hand off with this knife that obviously does not have enough heft to do that in a fast enough way and like maybe we can tourniquet you and cauterize how are we going to do this like this doesn't seem like this makes so much sense um nope. uh but anyway like that that whole scene didn't feel i mean i thought i thought aaron uh, portrayed it like he definitely portrayed that craziness well um but even carol talking him down it's like well you know even it's almost like you could see in his face he's like well that's rich (laughs) because carol like has done some insane things like really insane things um and where the stakes were much higher yeah um but anyway i'm um, I'm glad i'm glad of this this storyline is probably the one that i enjoyed the most i would say for this episode but it's also one of like 18 storylines right there's a lot to pack this episode gave me major whiplash but i I was happy for this one also because it it, um lets you know that connie's alive and that's like the the reward for leaving the whisperer alive is that they have intel on connie and the fact that these guys take a wagon of you know it looks like they've got a a plow, um, a bunch of other stuff, and a wagon, and they 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 ride all that back to Alexandria at the end of this story of thread. But they are like we are also with Maggie and Megan. We're also in the Commonwealth, and are we? Is there one other storyline that's happening in this episode too? I feel like there were four. Um, I think we've got. Um, I mean, we've got Alexandria with Judith and the kids. So there's that whole dynamic and then we've got oh yeah yeah. judith and the kids yeah okay so let's talk to the judith and the kids that uh story thread um if if you're if you're good with that because this was a frustrating one um judith is judith is training uh training the other kids in swordman swordsmanship with those wooden swords and i thought that was cute uh and then she hears some morons um actually playing with a zombie kid and like putting their hand close to its mouth. Yep. Like where are the, uh, where are the grownups in this scene? Um, I don't know. It's, it's really uh, not only that, but again, I don't, maybe, maybe if things are kind of crazy, uh, I, I could see maybe something like this happening, but I don't believe it in the way that the kids are trained here in the way that the parents act towards him. I mean, I guess when kids are unsupervised, they'll do stupid things. And maybe that's kind of where they were going with it. Or people do stupid things, like especially like dare, kids dare each other or whatever. But to me, the, the sort of 
normal behavior between kids. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know that this, again, I, it didn't feel like it really rang true because I feel like any adult would have been over there in a hot second. Um, and I don't, it was clearly loud enough that Judith noticed it from a long distance away. Right. right. Like, it just didn't feel like this would go un noticed in the community and i just don't feel like behavior like this would ever be tolerated and it just i mean we've seen this before you know when you know the the whatever that little gang of kids were that had the the taunting the zombie in the pit etc cetera, etc cetera. those um, were hilltoppers yeah i think they're yeah, all dead yeah like i i mean we've seen it i guess so maybe maybe this is just something if it's I don't know, like if it's a normal part of your life, you don't view it as dangerous, but I just don't feel like the adults would have tolerated it, especially now when everything's like so risky. It just didn't, it felt strange that the kids were sort of doing this stuff alone and not, nobody was intervening. So I think that kid, there's a zombie kid too, that they're yeah. taunting. Yeah. I think that's um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's son. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't see that. But there that's was pretty some, awesome. there was some behind the scenes stuff that I was seeing before I watched this episode. I, I didn't watch the, uh, postscript with angela kang but i think that's his son yeah um so it's a little bit a bit yeah we're seeing a few like repetitive things i guess in this episode between you know one more character falls into the to the dark heap for for a while and then is brought back or not and then this kid these kids taunting taunting zombies is, is silly the thing i am glad for in this thread is the boy says you're super annoying judith no wonder your mom abandoned you. And that like leads her down, yeah. <laughs> obviously. And she starts, you know, well, first she draws a sword on him and almost kills him again. Where are the grownups? And then uh, she like goes off and is extremely depressed uh, and has to have a, a real heart to heart with Rosita, which I don't know that those two people have ever had a scene together. So I was glad to see it, you know. No, and it was a good scene. I liked it. I liked the, I thought the dialogue and the interaction with them was good. Um, and the very girl much. playing Judith is such a, She's a good performer. She's a really like, good performer. But I also, as we've, other than these weird moments with the groups of kids, which we were, we were really happy uh, to talk about how it was sort of more normal between Judith and, and um, the other and Grace and, you know, like Herschel and RJ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I just felt like they kind of went off the rails in the kid behavior here. Um, but I did love her interactions with Rosita and basically, um, the realities of what this world was and and what it is now and how Judith is sort of getting through that and normal things for a kid to be upset about because, you know, the the other kids destroyed um, the little, the handprint art piece that she had for her and Carl. And again, that is one of the few things she's got um, of her family and a, sort of a reminder. And I just liked the interaction between her and Rosita. I thought it was really good. Um, as was a sentiment, which is basically like, look, um, this is a, all these people, yeah, this is a thing and this is important, but, um, and I know why you feel that way, but, but they gave you the skills to survive and that's how like you basically remember them. And, you know, and then at the end, Rosie is like, but I'm really good at fixing things. And so she was like taking care of it all in a good way. And I just thought she framed it. I thought the dialogue was really well written in this particular case. They've really got made some effort, I think, to soften Rosita in this season yeah. and Magna. Not that she gets a lot of lines in this episode, but in the last few or, or you know, in 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 scenes previously in the season, Magna, who used to be super mad all the time too, if you recall, yep. like Rosita, but is now just like really supportive of her friend Kelly, and uh, so it's kind of interesting that they're they're changing up these two women. But I'm glad for it because. Constantly mad characters are not that much fun. Yeah, and they're not up. really just layered enough that you can deal with them all the time. I mean, maybe they add some conflict into scenes and things like that, but I do think you have to have them a little bit more, um, like, well-rounded. So I thought that was really kind of nice to see. Um, yeah. And we've seen a little bit more of this with Rosita in general, just, you know, after she had the baby and all the things that she's gone through. So it, it, that makes sense to me. So I thought that they did a good job at showing that. Um um, but in any case, um, I think we need to talk about the Commonwealth, which is, you know, I did think that they did a nice job of editing here, just the, the complete contrast between the world that the Alexandrians are living in and the Commonwealth. It's, it's like, 
it feels almost fake. And I think that they did such a great job with the the Welcome to the Commonwealth little infomercial, basically. I mean, it mm-hmm. it's, it reads really well, although it do- doesn't it read like something from like, I don't know, like the 80s or 90s or... Yeah, that's the idea, I think, is that it's supposed to feel... And they even do a callback to the cheesy video later on in the episode. It is supposed to be a cheesy video, like the transitions that they're using and the the effects and the the sound kind of has uh, uh, artifacts in it that makes you real, you know, think that yeah, it's it's they're trying to be a little bit Dharma initiative with it almost, you know. They are, uh, but I think that the th- the reason why it like struck me as being weird is that you know, I, I don't know, I feel like there was still better technology or better editing or better. St- I don't know. I just feel like. It wouldn't have looked quite like this. So unless that's certain, but maybe these are the tools of the trade. Maybe that's how, what they're going for here. Um, so but my, my issue with the Commonwealth is, in addition to this video, this video being part of this overall vibe, is it just feels completely unrealistic. Correct, correct. Um, and you know, we've seen enough of this world to have, I think, raise a very skeptical eyebrow to the the idea that even a place like this could even exist. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's we've... too clean and, and, and it's only underscored. It almost feels like a dream right. uh, in these scenes because our characters are still dressed in their post-apocalyptic steampunk outfits. Yep. And then they're like rubbing elbows with people wearing plaid and pastel. And it feels like Woodbury again. So back to this re- repetitive sort of story or at least visual uh, beat here. I, I, I find it really disconcerting. Um, I found it disconcerting for the reasons that you mentioned, but also all I can think about is how could you sustain something like this? Where are you getting those pastel clothes? Like clothes, like this is, and and at least with Woodbury, as you know, unrealistic as it was, it seemed at least attainable because it was kind of like smaller. There, they were only dealing with this like little area. They're probably only about six to nine months after the start of the apocalypse. And this is very, very much longer. Um, And you've got like a lot of people. You've got a lot of things to defend. Um, And also just to keep things going like. And I think obviously it's kind of deliberate um, that these people are living in clearly a bubble. But like, would you really have an ice cream truck? You know, like like. How are you? How are you having enough supplies and, and a bakery, like luxury goods? Yeah, that, luxury that goods is... and things that are going bad and like, and you know her like, and and we're gonna talk about the reunion between um, uh, Yumiko and her brother, but like her brother's a surgeon. Like I but he just doesn't want anybody to know. At least that—that th- that is at least a mystery, and makes you think there's more layers to this place. Maybe, but he wants like, to be a baker instead, right? Right, but like I mean, in the way that they sort of vet everybody, you would imagine that they would have figured that out. And I just maybe I—you're right. Maybe they're going to reveal more later. But this, even just the idea of having like a bakery with this, and and that's the point. I mean, they're showing all these baked goods that might actually go bad. Um, whereas our people in Alexandria are starving to death. Um, but you have to think about all the things that you would need to supply in order for a place like this and for just a bakery to exist, let alone all these other things. And you have people actually using money, which to me doesn't make total sense, but, or some kind of money currency. Um, and I don't know, it, it feels like a dream world and that's kind of what, and that's the other thing, like, you would imagine that if these people were indoctrinated into the Commonwealth, they would have given them new clothing because they don't really want, they want everybody to feel a different way. And it's very jarring to see our group of, of people from Alexandria wandering around in their, their, as you said, their little steampunk outfits. Right. Um, there's also a lot of propaganda. I mean, it feels like a playset, basically. I mean, there's like all the, the signage and they have the callback to the video. Um, there's lots of, I don't know if you saw like a lot of the posters even featured that, uh, the enforcer guy, what's his name? The one that princess. Mercer. Yeah. Mercer. Um, and you know, and he's a very visible presence. Um, so it's also like you have a place that is organized enough to be able to have like to print propaganda like this and put it up and messaging yeah. and things like that. So they've gone from zero to a hundred for between the other communities that we're seeing and Maggie's whole right. like repeated stories about how terrible everything is outside the walls. But how wasn't she come into con- I mean, I guess they've right. gone through a couple of states to get here. Aren't they in like West Virginia yeah. now or or but south? It's not even? like that far, you know, like it's yeah. it's and it and it's big enough and like 
working like a machine enough that I just don't think that they would not have known about it or not come into contact with it, especially because like you're talking about such a community where they would have to cultivate so much food to keep this so food. much like I, I I need to see some fields. Right. I need to see some farms here yeah, because like, they're it, it, they have a density of population and this the amount of these like very spoilable luxury good like ice cream and pies and cakes come on well just even think about like what the process would be to make flour right uh like flour and sugar and uh, well, like the, alexandria was making flour they were ma remember they were making bread every day that was how uh, aaron persuaded mary to come over sort of was just fresh bread yeah, every day out of his they're making they're making bread but on this scale and yeah. i don't know it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel again so i i also want to see those fields I want to see the mills. I want to see whatever they're doing uh, and yeah. water supply. Because uh, this set is not getting this across. It's it's it feels just like a TV set where it feels. Like, you know like what it feels we've like. Seen before. Uh, as I as I was watching the video, but also like the the you know the propaganda video, but also when they're walking around, it feels very much like uh, Disney. It, it, that's like the vibe <laughs> it has. Yeah, like, if to me it's like this is the town that Wanda was was setting up in WandaVision. It's just like geez, yeah, no, this totally. is that downtown. It feels like a construct. So, uh, and we've got them wandering around like weird players in this game. Um, and as I said, my absolute, you know, they're and, and it, it's interesting because you've got Yumiko going to meet her brother, um, and that is a pretty uh, that's a, like a kind of a fun scene he does exactly what you would expect him to do drop this cake but also it feels like ah what a waste um but <laughs> right yes um but this dude this dude is playing tommy his name is ian anthony dale he's an american actor and i he's not nailing that accent no he's he is not be, it's a pretty rough accent yumiko's is yumiko supposed to be british or australian i have a hard time with her i think accent. she's supposed to be british well, he's not doing either. Nope. <laughs> I don't know what something. he's doing. It was really jarring. I was just like, I don't believe that these two are siblings. <laughs> but um, but they have this interaction and it's just like, you know, they're all living in this bubble. And then our, and our Alexandrians are really just, you know, they're desperate. They left their friends struggling and they're seeing all of this and it's got to be like kind of messed up for them. And also with this this community, there's a bunch of bureaucracy. There's a lot of rule following, which basically you can it's not bendable. Um, but yet Eugene has managed to convince uh, his, you know, his, I don't trust her. Stephanie. Yeah, like why? Like and, and but he has a lot of trust in her and enough that like you saw what the process was to get in here. Do you really trust this person that much? And now she, you know, she definitely knows that you have a community of people to help and not just that, but yeah, like you, um, we've got Yumiko do, talking to her brother and revealing things to him. Um, we've got, you know, like yeah, what, how I thought that the whole way that they got into this community was lying about the existence of Alexandria. Right. And it, now they, suddenly they're revealing it to people and they, people yeah. that they don't really know, at least where they stand. And they see enough of the weirdness in this community. Like, at least Yumiko is able to, she's asking her brother, is this stuff real or is, what's the dark underbelly? Because we've seen it before. And I don't blame her for asking the question, but I do think that it would be weird um, no matter how much trust you might have, especially if you see what they've been living through versus what you've been living through. And she hasn't seen her brother in eight years, question right? mark. I don't know how long it's actually been, but it's a, it's around that number. It's a long time. And some of their conversation, some of the dialogue for this conversation feels unrealistic. Yeah. Where he's just like, oh, Miko, when's the last time you actually saw me being truly happy? And I'm like, this is not a question for the first conversation nope. you've had with your sibling after a zombocalypse and eight years have passed. Nope. I'm sorry, you don't you don't have those sorts of exchanges. Right. That's more like a we're at Thanksgiving and everything is completely normal. Right. You know? And that's the other thing is that he like even his story feels very thin um, yeah. in terms of what I, I, I don't know if that is like on purpose because this community is going to be like a yeah like behind the curtain it's something else or if they're just writing this badly i can't tell well what, what's i mean what. even even his comment that he fell in with some good people we know how very rare that is right um and the fact that it would end up into this thing that's why she is disbelieving and i think with you know i think maybe there is like a possibly a rule in the community that they're only allowed to like 
you know, they, they cover up, they like kind of, um, smooth over some details or they don't discuss things. Um, that may be one of the rules. So I'm, I'm hoping we'll get, I'm hoping it's not bad writing. I'm hoping that this is sort of like a directive that they're supposed to follow, but this, this whole conversation feels weird and strange. Um, and they're doing it over like a coffee table. Like, I feel like even these little moments would be extraordinarily stressful and weird for our Alexandrians. Um, so, you know, and, the one, and as I was saying, like, you know, and Eugene is always already trying to, like, get Stephanie to help him out in a way that's, like, kind of illegal there. And she's like, yeah, I'll help you. It just feels, it all feels very strange. And I don't think that they would give in this quickly. I don't think, I think they would keep it between them as survivors. And I certainly don't think they'd be revealing as much information as they are to the people in the Commonwealth, given what they did had to do to get through. And given what they saw the process was, it just feels strange. So the, the I think we are definitely very skeptical about the Commonwealth. The couple of bright spots, though, with this whole thing is that you do have the jarring piece where the Alexandrians are kind of trying to deal with this world and wrap their minds around it. You've got the whole thing with Eugene at the ice cream truck, though okay we we know that there's a president milton somewhere in here we see this woman do you remember milton from woodbury too is that on purpose i think so making me think that like woodbury milton uh pastel shirts i feel like they're doing this on purpose i do too milton was from the comics yeah i do too so i like we'll have to see um what happens there but the fact that that the woman getting the ice cream order like doesn't even talk to eugene is very weird like she he asks a question she just smiles at him weirdly and runs off with perfectly formed ice cream cones and by the way have you ever seen ice cream cones look like that especially like if like they're just on a weird like they look perfect um Mm -hmm. anyway um they we've got that going on but the best part of this whole episode in my opinion is the uh the interaction between princess and and mercer well, I would have thought it would be there's just there's a couple of little scenes between Maggie and Negan where and this is the one uh, it's in this episode where they have their moment of will they won't they. Oh, yeah. Um, no. OK. Yes, so that... I, I, I agree with you, though, um, that the princess uh, making like but she's not actually like actually flirting with Mercer. No, but it's like her version of flirting, which is why it's so hilarious. And yeah. he just doesn't know what to do with her. And she's trying like. You know, this is a, this is a person who's been in alone for a really long time. Like, and I think she probably weirdly wouldn't know. I, I think she pro- pre-apocalypse. I don't think she would have known what to do anyway. But this is like her bizarro way of interacting with people, and I do think it's a very good way to do it because he just has no idea what to what to think about it. Yeah, it is. He 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 does a nice job of sort of hearing what she's saying and trying not to react to it as right <laughs> right can help it so it's a pretty pretty great scene between these two characters but yes the the negan and maggie scene the, that was definitely and i just thought the the interaction between them was good um but the lighting i don't know if you noticed it was like very very clearly like oh yeah i don't know very oh. romantic <laughs> it was it was like the golden hour right yep. yeah so um so they they like they we follow their progress from the woods where they're still having the same argument and she's still saying to him I think about killing you all the time mm-hmm. which uh, she's already said that a couple times this season and so I don't feel like we need to hear that anymore between them we don't but even when you know there's the moment when like it's very much foreplay <laughs> I mean that's what it is and she like takes out the walker um and you oh, can even God. see it on his face. Like, it's just this really great moment and well done between these two actors. Um, Negan has always been turned on by women who threaten his life. Yes, I mean, he loves it. <laughs> so uh, so there's that. Um, but <sighs> but you do actually have them talking to each other versus yelling at each other, which I think is at least some progress. Um, and so they are, they are definitely, um, you know, like at least interacting in a slightly different way than we've seen them. So I don't something know. like he's still like, I want to leave. She's saying, I want to stay. And he comes up with a compromise and they're actually fighting over him trying to leave after it becomes sunset. I think right. when Gabriel and Elijah walk in Elijah's sudden reappearance, I find extremely suspect. Yep. Like he was dragged off into the woods 
Yeah, like how uh, did this even happen? And I think we're mask su- is missing. I, I think know. we're supposed to be suspicious of it. So there is that as well. Um, and again, like the I don't know, like again the timing of all of this, even with this these people showing up, they still don't really have a chance of anything with this this force that we've no. seen um we're talking lists, about military the number of people who are missing or dead and it's just like yeah that's more than half of who you set out with right and gabriel's stabbed in the leg and in the neck and is basically useless he has to be carried by elijah like there's there's no mission no and, and there's this is not what's kind of silly about maggie's insistence that no the mission isn't over yet i'm like dude there's no way you're going to continue with Well, any and it's even, you know, even with some of the fighter, and especially with the fighters you've lost, you're talking about losing some of the people that were most able to, to help you, and they are no um, competition for this group of specially trained, like, operatives, basically. So, yeah. I don't and know. They don't even know how trained the Reapers are. They just know that the Reapers are scary. They haven't actually, like, they don't have any intel on it. We, we do now as an audience. The and the show is kind of like letting us sit on that. And uh, I don't Maybe. know. Like it, 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 there's like a different dynamic all of a sudden on the show about the Reapers. It feels like right. I mean, they may not know all, but they know enough that they're organized, <laughs> highly weaponized. They are organ. You know, they're organized in a way. This is what they do. They know that they're gonna. Um, even with the limited information that our group has, they know that I would imagine even Maggie would have to admit they have no chance against them in whatever way they are now. And so, I mean, it might kill her to to deal with it, but I think that they've got like basically uh, some decisions to make and I don't think it would be to, to stay and try to like deal with them. Um, and then we've also got, you know, the whole issue with Daryl, which is like, you know, I mean, everything, everything with him and with this group, they're like kind of like it, they're, they're asking him to do things to basically, I think, ensure that he's actually part of the group. Um, but again, they've trusted him pretty quickly. Um, I don't know that if they did have any suspicion that he knew this other person that they captured with him, would they? I mean, I guess it's a test to see if he would actually elicit the information but it also feels, I don't know, it just feels very strange to me that they would immediately, and they don't, I mean, I guess they don't, other than Leah, trust him. Um, but just even sending him on a mission. Even, I don't think even she trusts him. I mean, maybe she does, but I also, I don't believe anything I'm seeing or hearing with the Reapers either. Like, especially with Pope. Yeah, They're all too just, leery, you know? It just feels very mustache twirly in a way that, I don't know, like... I, as as we've said before, he, the the whole decision to throw the other dude on the fire, it doesn't seem as if he would. It, like these people are all specially trained. I don't know that they would stay under the thrall of this person. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I mean we're we're definitely on the on the inside episode at this point. We've we've crossed over. So if you're following along at home, um, we're in episode six now. But it it, it does kind of just flow because this storyline of. Um, Maggie Negan, Gabriel, and, and Elijah in that house kind of just continues in this next episode. The the thing that happens here that's kind of mind-boggling is that Daryl, not I mean, I guess he doesn't really have a choice. He could try to fight his way out of the Reaper's base, but he would probably not make it. Uh, and he opts to cut Frost's finger off and uh, you know, I don't know. His first move was like the sleeper hold. It was just like, that's your opening torture move, Daryl. That's not exactly a strong opener. And Carver is like watching his every move. So is Pope. So is Leah. He doesn't have a lot of options, but I thought it was kind of funny. Oh, it was funny that that was his opening torture move, but then he goes and cuts the dude's finger off and the dude does not survive. And I have to wonder if Daryl's going to be okay with that in the long run. Maybe he will. He didn't know Frost very well. Well, nobody did. So he's very much kind of a red shirtish. <laughs> He was a red shirt, but he was a trained red shirt of, of Maggie's elite team of all dead people that she Right. Um well and also in this this whole thing, it's like cutting the finger off is pretty drastic. And he's kinda like looking at him like, Oh, this is okay, man. <laughs> like there's just like yeah. these really weird moments. And I think They were having a lot of nonverbal communication in that scene that I don't know that any of it was actually very clear to either of them because Frost ends up dead. Right. <laughs> Um, and ultimately, Frost gives up info, um, I guess, with the hope that Maggie and her group is savvy enough to to avoid this team. Um, but, you know, and then they send out that again, it doesn't seem believable to me that they would send Daryl out into the wild 
um, because they still don't trust him. And the idea that he could maybe escape or warn or do something seems a little and strange. He, the things that he does do, like hiding the trap door and um, moving those, uh, not power lines, but those telecom lines. Yep. Those are exactly the sorts of things that he has the the ability to do when he's on this mission. And and he just kind of like creates drama with Carver and Leah is you know, like has had enough of it, too. Like he is a liability on this mission. And I don't see the value in his going along because he's not part of their team. What was right. And I, I don't think that they would have. I mean, again, if they're sort of testing him and whatever, yeah, I guess in some ways you can kind of see how he acts, but he's a liability in a big way, in a way that could get more of them killed. They don't have that many people. So that's uh, like sort of seems very strange to me that they wouldn't kind of limit his contact, um, especially if they have suspicions about him. But in any case, that's what they do. And, um, you know, we've got maggie and them listening to the stuff so so i think that they understand that daryl is not with this group um or hopefully they do i mean negan knows enough about daryl to understand that torture doesn't really work with him and that he's not i don't know i feel like hopefully and and maggie's got enough of a relationship with daryl but who knows um they may think he's actually with this group um but i think they under i I think they're in the basement they can hear everything he's saying um I think based on that, he's 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 in the clear with them. Yeah. Sure. Um, but in any case, like but there's so again, there's things that don't make sense. And, you know, I guess they sent them out to look for runners. So maybe that's how they got away. But this is a pretty now group of people, some injured who are moving probably kind of slowly. You've got a group of people that can supposedly track anybody. Um, yep. I just don't know that they would have managed to escape, but they do. Um, and then the whole sort of search reconnaissance of the house. Um, they verified that Frost was telling the truth, but there's a lot of the, they have a lot of the tension between Daryl and Leah and Carver. Um, but I think that the one piece that was successful in this little sort of interaction is that both Leah and Carver own up to having, they're, fear, they're afraid of Pope. They think he's crazy. And uh, Leah owns up to not knowing, not being in on the shed being set on fire. Right. Which which I, su- I, I was surprised. I had said she was in on last week because it seemed like she was. It did she seem like she was. So, um, but I thought that that was interesting that they now, you know, maybe maybe not total alliance, but enough that they are questioning the leader or leadership of Pope. So there's that. Um, and then you know, but then of course they leave the big cliffhanger with, you know, the fact that Frost has been tortured more by Pope, and Pope is whispering. Um, with Carver and and keeps looking at Daryl like, Hey, we're not talking about you. (laughs) So, well, I'm sure we'll see more about that in the future. Um, And then on the other half of this episode, very much the Nicotero part of this, uh, we see a lot of Connie and Virgil. Um, This is very much a, a sort of super horror genre idea where they're being like, herded um this is the people under the stairs yep. is is uh, uh, some of this these are a group of people i think who have been called the ferals by the showrunners yep. and, and the fans and they're humans i don't know if they were in the comics i think they probably were uh, um, probably i don't know i didn't read far enough in unfortunately it feels like a, also a subset of um max brooks's uh take where people yep. like tried to tried to take on the attributes of zombies so these are humans who have de- well it's kind of funny how much they've devolved they've taken the trash people's uh yeah. weird weird stuff and then just doubled down on that where they, they only walk down on, on all it, fours but, but if they're this crazy and feral i mean i just doubt their organizational skill set to herd connie and virgil for as long as they've been out in the the world um mm-hmm. to, to herd them towards this house um, I also think that they're so loud and weird, like the fact that they think that they're alone in this house for as long as they do. I mean, none of these none of these feral people seem to have any control over anything. Um, I mean, by the end, at the end, they also prove how how stupid they are. Like they try to fight a bunch of zombies and they lose. <laughs> right. And they're not like it just doesn't seem again. There's a lot of things kind of question like pushing my my buttons in terms of the realities in these two episodes and this is the opposite of what's going on in the commonwealth but 
I just, again, Virgil and Connie have survived this apocalypse. Connie is freaking deaf. Um, I like so. I just don't like. Obviously, she can't hear the people, but she. Well, could. those are the scariest scenes in this episode, though, is when it's from Connie's perspective, and they've done this before when she was in the cornfield with the yep. baby. Uh, but this one, it's like you get two or three of these scenes where all the sound is gone and it's just her, which you're not really looking. It's not her POV, but it's a lot of like close ups of her face and you're yep. just waiting for the thing to jump out. And well, then- and I will, you know, the, my criticisms aside from the feral storyline. Um, I thought that the the filming of this was excellent. It was really stressful. It was exactly like a, it was very Nicotero. Mm-hmm. Um in that you've got these little like close shots. You've got like the the way that there's almost like a secret second part of this house, which is super crazy. You've got the whole um, the setup where Connie, you know, um, like gets to she kind of sees a glimpse of one of these things, and and you know Virgil's like, oh, you haven't slept at all. Um, again, I think it's really sort of not realistic that this group of crazy ass people would be quiet enough um, because even just them sort of roaming around in this second house or this hidden piece of the house, Connie would feel that you would feel the vibrations, I think, because they're like, um, and I will say like the movement of the actors who are playing the ferals is super creepy and strange. And they've got Uh, this like, they, this crazy contortionist thing going on, which is always creepy. Um, But, you know, and it's also a little like, how many are there? Um, because at first it seemed like there wasn't that many. And then suddenly it's like this gain of them. Yeah. Um, so it's also funny in this episode that Virgil is the sane one. Yeah. I mean, we know that Connie is also, she is seeing what she's seeing. She's not hallucinating, but Virgil just being like, oh, I think you're just tired. And this was the the insane guy who was like hooked on hallucinogenics when yep. he, uh, back when he met Michonne. Uh, so that's kind of funny. It's yeah. um it's a scary ass episode. And I was like, Connie, don't go in the ducts. These guys seem like they're very comfortable in ducts. It's a yeah. little funny that she like beats them at their own game by getting into the wall and they yeah. don't think to go inside the wall to chase her. Right. Like um, they live in the walls. They live in the walls, but there's like the you know, and then there's also the whole she can't really she can't really talk or you can't really hear her but even her banging in the wall and Virgil like the whole knife through the wall and when he finally realizes it's her that's like a pretty great scene like where she's like damn it (laughs) you're putting the (laughs) knife through um and then there's a pretty cool knife he has also that's a k-bar I'm pretty sure which is a marine corps knife uh I don't know how I guess he lived on an army base in theory but good job Virgil you got yourself a cool knife um, but even, you know, the, the speech with her where he basically says, look, I really messed up. So, um, if it means that I have to sacrifice myself for you to get out of here, I'm going to do that. Um, because Michonne brought me back and I've got to honor that and not, you know, um, it, 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 I also think that Connie using the, the Walker guts, I wasn't sure quite what was going to happen here, but, um, that was, we've, we've now seen, they, they put this away for a while, this skill set, and for a while, you know, we didn't see this, but we've seen now Daryl use it and now Connie use it, and it's just sort of a known thing. Um, but, um, you know, the whole, the whole scene in the house I thought was really well done, despite my skepticism about the, the cannibal people. Um, but it was, it was great until I feel like the way that they, I would have rathered that Carol and Kelly came in and saved them. Than I agree. The, the ferals somehow decided to get into a slap fight with a bunch of walkers. Yeah. That it, seemed it was, a little lame. It's like, dude, you guys, you survived this long. This is again, look, anytime people are getting killed by walkers where the situation is not like very one-sided, it feels silly. And, and the ferals might've lost one or two when Connie unexpectedly opened the door, but they shouldn't have all been eaten in that scene. In well, and especially if you're talking about a group of people who have the organizational wherewithal to herd a couple of people, mm-hmm. again, it just doesn't seem believable to me. And that there are so few survivors um, that they would have this kind of ability and time and energy to be able to do this. Um, oh God, yeah. My, my thought could, is that they would they have starved. possibly have enough to eat, right? No, they would have starved long ago. Um, so that seemed crazy to me. Um, we do have the happy reunion scene between Connie and Kelly, um, which I did, I will admit, I had a moment where I thought one of them was going to die, <laughs> like <laughs> get taken out by a walker or a feral or something like that. That doesn't happen. Um, but I also, you know, 
again, it's sort of like they just found out Connie was alive and somehow managed to track her from nowhere to nowhere within like an episode, which I thought was kind of crazy. I do like that Kelly eventually reunites with Carol and, and uh, Rosita and Magna. um, And that as a group, they go and find her. Um, Mm -hmm. But it seems sort of ridiculous that Kelly would be able to track anybody down um, this easily. And I don't know. What was your feeling about that? Yeah, it was, it was a little too easy. Um, And I'm also curious uh, is, Virgil dead. He gets stabbed like four times with a table leg. Even mm-hmm. if he's not like immediately dead infection wise, this is probably not, does not bode well. Um, so we'll have to see. Maybe it missed his kidneys. Maybe it missed his vital organs. But that was a pretty rough scene where he's getting stabbed. I think Virgil is a really odd choice of character to bring back for just this like reunion with Connie, then only just to kill him off. Like, yeah, is it, it doesn't. But know? but I will say that the, those stabs seem pretty intense. So I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. I have a feeling miraculously he will survive because agreed. I just don't think it makes sense to just have him back for one episode. Um, and he's so weird, you would think that there's going to be some additional strange group dynamics. And he has news of Michonne and some other things. So let's see what happens. Um, I guess, yeah, the, it would be great for him to be able to tell Judith that he saw Michonne. her mom. Yep. But but um, like the, she talked to Judith on the radio. I mean, there's he doesn't know anything that Michonne wasn't able to relay, I feel like, already. Right. But even just the fact that somebody saw her, I think Judith would take heart in that. Um, Maybe. So we'll have to we'll have to see what happens. Um, I, I definitely liked a couple of things. I just don't know where they're going with it. So I will say at least for for on the inside, as well done as the inside of the house thing was, um, I just felt that the pacing for both of these there were moments where it felt very draggy um less so with on the inside um to the uh, out of the ashes um but we'll have to to see how they progress it um definitely enjoyed the artistry though of this this kind of horror house i thought that was pretty awesome yeah it was it, it was an enjoy it was probably my more preferred episode from the last one yeah, mostly because it didn't have five storylines that we were bouncing back and forth between but it did have three like the, i think the show is trying to get everybody on screen to tell all these stories that it has but it is it's a little disconcerting i think it's disconcerting i also feel like some of this may i i could be wrong but some of the the COVID things had to change how they they told certain stories and now i feel like they are trying to cram a lot in um, but this is also like this is they're trying to cram a lot in for a variety of reasons. And they I think they have to at some point bring different groups together and whatever. But they do have to give you some kind of background and context. Um, so I think that that's it's still there's still a lot of like setting the table to some extent, I feel um, setups for for maybe later um, things that happen in the, the rest of the season. Um, but obviously at some point there'll be conflict between Maggie Negan and the Reapers and maybe even the Reapers in Alexandria. So we have that. Um, and then we've got, um, you know, just definitely like the Commonwealth and obviously our, our team of, uh, heroes was, was found out, um, about, you know, because they were trying to illicitly use the radio. Um, but, hopefully it will be a little it did feel a little disjointed i I gotta agree with you on that so we'll have to hopefully see what what becomes of it and hopefully it will be a little less frenetic um but i i also understand that they this is a pretty massive cast um and they are massive cast in a massive season i mean this we have two more episodes before the first break Mm -hmm. and then i don't know what's coming like another eight episodes and then another break and then another eight episodes potentially because this season is something like is it 24 yeah so So i think they might be doing it in thirds uh yeah they've gotten a fair amount done in these eight or in these six so far um and i hope that they kind of tie up the reaper storyline before the season break would be my hope i hope so um and I also, I mean, one of the things, despite the the kind of thing that they did with the Whisperer, but I do like that they were kind of showing, well, what happens when the big bad is no longer the big bad? Like, what happens yeah. to the to the vestiges of that group? Um, and we've seen a little bit of that. I mean, obviously, Alden. 
um, and Negan and things like that and, and that things kind of evolve. So I think I kind of like your idea that maybe they use the Whispers to their... They, they haven't used enough of that skill set, which is a pretty valid skill set, right? Um, yeah, but I mean, we've done that storyline too where they tried to work with the Saviors, but then it all went bad. I know, um, but I mean, I just kind of feel like, especially with the things that are happening with Ag- Alexandria and trying to keep the wall up and trying to keep it safe, I mean, Lydia has this skill set. Um, yeah. Like, it just feels like they would be able to k- kind of lead the walkers away if they if they used it so that would be kind of a cool thing to see so we'll have to we'll have to see how all that pans out um but um i think that's all i have anything else to add no ma'am i think that's that's about all i've got and um well i would entreat those who listened and and enjoyed the episode or didn't let us know what you think reach out to us on reanimated uh pcast reanimated pcast on twitter reanimated podcast at gmail.com on the gmails and you can always get a look at our show notes and the tra- uh, the trailers and those kinds of things that we've been talking about on reanimatedpodcast.com. Yep, and I would love to hear what people thought of these two episodes. Uh, so so send us send us your uh, input. And until next time, ciao and thanks for listening. Thanks, toodles. <laughs> <laughs>